In this short series of podcasts, I'm going to talk about the benefits of creative writing and my experience of it as a hobby. I will talk about the groups I've belonged to and what I've gained from them. I will also give examples of my writing with backgrounds to them. I do not class myself or want to be a professional writer in any sense, but I get tremendous joy from writing. It is a hobby that can be done anywhere with no special equipment. Many people say that you cannot write, they cannot write, but we are all full of experiences and ideas. It has been said that there is a good book in everyone. The great thing is that you can put your experiences into writing, only showing the bits you want to expose, as in a, a memoir. There are so many forms of writing from the great novel, which many aspire to, to letter writing, which has largely become a lost art. But emailing can also take this to a, to a new level. And with the COVID-19 crisis, which we're going through at the moment, a lot more people are putting pen to paper to give people the joy of receiving something in the post. There are short stories, poetry, articles, journaling, travel writing. The list is endless. There is also free writing, which where you spend a certain time each day just letting a stream of consciousness put the words out. This is very good for emotional release. Writing can just be for just for fun or to fulfil an ambition or, as in free writing, to release emotions. Sometimes there's something you want to say maybe to somebody. Putting in a letter may be better than confrontation. You might never post the letter, and there's often wisdom in that. I hope I can convince you to put pen to paper or keyboard in action. If you aspire to writing, it is recommended that you carry a notebook with you at all time. Ideas are everywhere. Maeve Benchy used to miss bus stops to hear the ends of conversations. But with modern technology, notes can be kept on a device such as a phone, but always have back backup. I recently lost some notes, including bank details, when my phone was rebooted. Luckily, I had the bank details tucked away somewhere safely. For a number of years, during May, Galway City Library hosted a writing class for, given by Peter Molyneux, a published author, for, for six for six weeks, we met on a Monday morning. This was so enjoyable. And for five euro, we enjoyed this great enjoyment. Peter led us in various exercises, and we wrote, we talked, had tea and coffee. What a bargain. I looked forward to it every year until it stopped. For me, the beauty of a class is seeing where a single suggestion can lead to down so many avenues. 
I remember one class in UCG many years ago. The lecturer put a model duck on the table. It was astounding how many sto stories and memories it provoked. It brought me to St Stephen's Green in Dublin while staying with my Aunt Breach, who had a dressmaking business in nearby Harcourt Street and loved to take me to feed the ducks. Auntie Breach was much more than a dressmaker. She excelled at wedding gowns, ball gowns and suits and kept myself and my brother in clothes, including school uniforms, um, through from remnants left over from her outfits. And she made me a lovely bonine coloured outfit with unusual coloured stripes down at a, a sleeveless top and skirt and also a beautiful gown for my 21st. Unfortunately, I hadn't the confidence to bear the shoulders. Where do we get these modest ideas from or self-limiting ideas to make the best of the beautiful red shiny dress? There's so memory, so many memories just there. I loved Dublin in those times. This, in, while visiting, would be sent, I would be sent on errands down lanes to collect specially made buttons covered in the materials of the outfits she was making. This story came from one of the classes. May is the time of Holy Communion in Ireland. And there are sights of girls in white dresses and boys with new suits looking very smart, but often with scraped knees. It was also the year of the visit of Queen Elizabeth to England. Pictures are still in my mind of her trying her few words of Irish. And the great joy of her visit to the, to the English market in Cork. I think we Irish... In the Republic, love the British monarchy, so long as they don't rule us. Now here's the story. Michael arrived into the small national school, slowly with his head down. Why do things always go wrong? Saturday was the day of his first Holy Communion. He had been so looking forward to it, and he was so happy. The class all looked so smart. He had a new jacket and trousers and a white open-neck shirt. The mass was lovely and Michael felt very holy. They had a nice meal at home, just the family. Then, after mass on Sunday, there was a gathering of all the relations in the local hotel. The meal was lovely and it was fun to talk to cousins who, who had also made their first Holy Communions. And of course, a big fuss was made of him by all the aunts and uncles and grandparents. Michael felt very happy. Of course, as the day went on, more drinks were handed around. In the bar, the TV was on. There was a lot of talk of the coming visit of Queen Elizabeth and moving on from old hurts. Michael could sense the atmosphere change as more drinks were consumed, and he became uneasy. His dad kept going on about not bestow not kowtowing to any English queen who was only a kraut anyway. 
His uncle John had served in the Irish Guards and was proud of it. He kept himself very fit coaching the local boxing club. Drink changed him too. Michael didn't understand this, but he felt the tension as both men went out for a smoke. The discussion grew louder and more belligerent. Michael's dad pushed Uncle John, who pushed back. The language now included words that Michael was not allowed to use. Then Michael's dad landed a punch on Uncle John's nose. Uncle John reacted with speed and caught Michael's dad in a headlock and wrestled, wrestled him to the ground. Hotel security called the guard Lee, and they arrived with their sirens screaming. Two men were taken to the guard station to sober up. Michael's aunt and mother and, and himself went home, the two women sobbing. Now it was Monday morning, the day of the class party to celebrate their first communion day. The children would all wear their communion clothes. Michael felt they would all be talking about his dad and Uncle John. To his surprise, all the talk was about communion money, bouncy castles and carriage rides. The teacher said she didn't want to hear anyone boast about how much money they received. They had a lesson on places the Queen would visit on a visit and had a talk about what question they would like to ask the Queen. No one seemed angry about her coming. Lessons finished early for the class party and a lovely for the class photo and a lovely party. That evening his dad was still very quiet and trying to get around his mum who was still very angry. The next evening, his mum sat with her friend, Breed, watching the TV. As the Queen bowed after laying a wreath on a memorial to the Irish Patriots, both had been talking about how lovely her outfit, especially her hat, was. Now they were rubbing their eyes with tissues. Michael shrugged. He took up his hurling slither and went out to puck around the field, puzzled but happy. Hello again, continuing this talk on creative writing. For many, a number of years now I've gone to a class in Krinagalyeva in Galway. Well, it's more a group than a class, even though our mentor John is very knowledgeable and gives us a lot of information on writing. Sometimes it goes over our heads because we just want to write. Again, the most enjoyable part for me is listening to people's writings and the discussion it leads. We have people who are poets, who do a lot of research. It's somebody who was writing a novel and had one novel published as a project when she had to write so many words a day, the prize was to have the book project. We had a nun who'd spent time in Africa and put all her memories down into a book. We also have had four publications of our work 
during the years. Some of the characters in the class, were, well, all of the characters in the class were very interesting, but some stand to mind more. We had John, who had spent a lot of time in England, came from somewhere near Barrow, and he was both an athlete, a musician, and a worker. He told us tales of life in London, of working in a car factory, but also at one stage he learnt this complicated mental arithmetic of an odds booking system in the bookies. Now John wasn't a gambler, he used to go to the greyhound races, but he worked out the odds for himself. He was in the bookies one day when a woman came in and presented him with the most beautiful silk handkerchief, which was had horses' heads around the edge and a horse in the middle. This apparently was screen printed. And the next week, another member came in and she was a lay nun who had been a teacher and she came in to demonstrate how silk, how screen printing was done. The same lady had a very interesting batch of stories, some about being back in Fermoil Lodge during troubles when somebody had to hide in a water cistern up in the roof, of somebody having to ride into town to get an extra get a battery recharged in the old days of the liquid acid batteries to, so the match could be listened to. Those tales of somebody keeping a monkey in Prospect Hill. That lady has, has since passed on. I hope somebody has transcribed her writings because they were priceless. There was also a tale of a re recording of De Valera who had spoken in New York and this in a shop in town she was trying to keep it out of the hands of people that they didn't want to receive it. Then there were two nuns and one of them wrote a story in which it seemed the husband was being unfaithful to his wife but in fact was planning a surprise. And we all wondered how this nun knew so much about setting up a romantic setting in a bed with petals on it. There's Rita who observes everything around her and wrote wonderful pieces about what just what she saw from her back garden. Martin, who had short poems, always topical, with a hint of humour in them. I'm just going to share one of the stories, just to show that John says that if 10 of us aged 50 or more were around a table, there would be 500 years of social history there. 
And this is a piece I got published in one of our publications. And it's called Selling at Mount Cross Fair. In 1970, I opened a pharmacy in Uchthorard, County Galway. The area was rural, serving a remote part of Connemara. Cattle and sheep were reared on small farms. Much of the land was mountains. My knowledge of veterinary medicine was sparse. I did not even know how many teats a sheep had, which led to embarrassment when I tried to sell four mastitis tubes for a ewe. In fairness, I had recently come from Australia where the Kerry Kerry, a fine breed of sheep given, giving strong limbs and good wool, sometimes had four teats. With the help of my veterinary codex and TV vet guides, I managed to build a good veterinary business. I sold dips, wormers, treatments for various ailments. I broke up large containers for smaller farmers. The then the regulations regarding the supply of antibiotics changed. It now required that they should either be administered by a vet or supplied on the prescription supplied by a vet. This, this was impractical in, 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 as in isolated farms where emergency had to be dealt with quickly. For example, you with an infected womb after lambing needs immediate treatment with antibiotics to prevent septicemia. The vets, vets handled it in their own way. However, people got the impression that I could not supply any veterinary medicine. And my business shrunk. What to do? I needed a plan. Towards the end of October each year, there is a, a fair in Mount Cross, where ponies, cattle and sheep are sold, and people come from all over the area. I decided to sell there. I borrowed a, sale, a trailer and loaded it with gallons of dip, wormers, etc., supplied from my wholesalers on a sale or return basis. The next challenge was to get a good spot. This was essential for success. In the middle of a cold, frosty night, with a penetrating wind blowing, I dragged reluctant children out of bed as assistants. We layered up on coats, hats, scarves and gloves over multiple layers of jumpers and set off under a starlit sky. We were in good time and got an ideal spot in front of Kyo's bar, but on the, on the roadside, everyone would pass here at some stage. As dawn crept in, the place quickly filled with traders of all descriptions, selling everything from boots to chainsaws. Then the food vans came. Being able to buy sandwiches and hot drinks was a blessing. Soon we were surrounded by Connemara ponies, cattle, sheep, goats, ducks, geese and hens. There were cuddly collie puppies for sale. Of course, the occasion would not be complete without spinning wheels and the fine and the three car trick we did a brisk trade selling many big heavy gallant cans we sold goods worth over £1,000 the day remained cold and the children needed frequent breaks to run around and examine everything I had to remain swinging my arms and stamping my feet to keep warm the day slowly wound down and people started leaving. We had to wait until the road cleared before we could head back to Uchtharad in the early darkness. 
The unloading of the trailer was quite a task at the late hour we arrived home. I got tendonitis in my elbow from all the lifting. This required an injection from the doctor. He told me to rest it. Oh no, I said, I am going swimming. The severe pain, however, made me take his advice. Was it worth it? Yes, it was excellent publicity. People realised I was still in the veterinary business and that side of the business continued to grow. I'm left with memories of deep, penetrating cold and tiredness. I can remember the night sky of majestic, twinkling stars, so bright you felt you could touch them. And I gained great appreciation of those who trade for a living in this way. That is a part of social history, which I had published in one of our our four publications during the years I've been with that group. The rays of sunlight streamed in from one skylight. Her brother Mike peeked out from behind, so the envy of Mike. As I've said in previous casts, writing can take so many different forms. It's a form of expression that gets, releases feelings and emotions and creates reminders of events in our lives. This was a piece I wrote that I, as after an atroc- atrocity of a bomb which killed people in a park. I registered at a Toastmasters meeting for a creative corner and somebody said they didn't know if Francis was a poet. Maybe it's a prose poem which doesn't have to rhyme. I'll share it with you anyway. Joseph flew through a tunnel of bright light, his shattered body left far behind. He came to a rapid stop which left him stunned. Before him shimmered a beautiful, radiant figure, so magnificent that he trembled in awe. Its voice thundered, I am the keeper of the gates of paradise, but your maker wants to address you itself. A light so bright that Joseph shrank in fright appeared behind the keeper. A voice so powerful and yet so gentle came to Yosef. My child, my child, what have you done? I formed you with love. You gave joy to your family and you chose to destroy that life and the lives of others around you. You listened to fools, utter fools. I gave you a brain, but you chose to give your mind and heart over to fools. They think they know my will, that I have crafted beautiful beings for for them to destroy in my name. Apologies for the pause, technology is failing me.
they think they know my will, that I crafted beautiful beings for them to destroy in my name. What blasphemy! I give you a vision now. Look down on that park you chose to destroy as it was that day. Look at the children queuing at the slide. The little girl who has just made her first Holy Communion and feels so happy and holy. The little boy with the skull cap has just been to his big brother's bar mitzvah. Look over to the seats. The family with the two men in turbans, one old, one young. The women are cooing at a tiny baby boy. The child they had waited ten years for. On the next seat, the young couple resting between photographs on their wedding day. All my children sadly missed on earth, but admitted by my gatekeeper to the joys of paradise. But for you, my child, it will not be so easy. I am sending your spirit back to earth to act as my voice, whispering words of comfort to those left on earth to mourn the loss of those my children. You must understand what you have done before you can pass my gatekeeper. Go now and begin your work. At times you will be able to take human form and listen to their grief. You will be guided to find words of comfort to help them. A young person determined to destroy will be sent in your path. It will be your task to change their heart. I will send an angel to fetch you when you you truly understand, for then you will be fit for the joys of paradise. So that we getting on to poetry. Poetry wouldn't be my forte, but we had poets in our group, and I mentioned in an earlier podcast, Martin. This was one put in by Martin and was published in our our booklet, Reflections by the River. Reflections by the River, created writing from Trina Gulliver. The road can seem long and bleak. Perhaps it's because of some cheek. Return to that place can be trouble. To be trapped in that very bubble. The memories are both great and sad. The resolution seems impossible, yet made. To continue this road seems futile. To turn around and go back is black. To be held to ransom here, right, is inclined to bring on nought but fear. But I could lead, but it could lead to some clarity. Clarity begins not at home, but from inside. Whether any is coming, is touch and go. Could be back to a debate about snow. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And that's more a prose poem because it doesn't have to do with the rhyming. And a lot of people are very modest about their poetry. This is 
a poem I dedicated to my grandmother. Dear old lady dressed in black, red flannel petticoats beneath. You sit on your little stool beneath the hearth. At your back, back a huge four-poster bed, a haven for children on rainy days. You sit and play snap. We sit and play snap and are all made. Never do you complain. This is your home, your hearth. Pot and skillet you command. Dresser and oiled oil cloth table. Radio and oil lamp by the small window. Bible here your man reads out. This is the home you have made with this strong gentleman. You came from over the mountain. Was it a match or did you catch his eye? When you were young and full fleet of foot, in those long days of girlhood, before your eight babies were born, now grown, where do your thoughts take you as you sit so quiet? Do you feel secure as you tell your beads? Do the eternal truths you were taught ring true? You show me lace for your laying out, proud to own and lend to neighbours. Is there never a doubt in your, as you pray each day to Mary, Jesus and saints that have passed before? In your arms you hope to rest in their arms you hope to rest O loving gentle soul so poetry can take on so many different forms from stories and this stories to poems this is by lady catherine brought so much to the group with her observations of nature but she could also write mystery stories I remember one about a ghost up around the suburb of Galway and it was quite eerie but fun at the same time this is Summer by Catherine Summer and fledglings flying Young green upon grass and tree Lark song and the curlews crying Loud bees, sweet business plying, and big cotton fluttering free. Bog cotton fluttering flee, but no human to hear or see. Understand that this place is dying. Best go then and let it be. Another aspect of writing is journaling or keeping a diary. Now there is a difference and I quote this from a handout given by our mentor John. A journal is a record that can be used to record such details as everything from your feelings about a situation in your social life, your thoughts on a current event or in, political, in the political world. Jour journal journals serve a range of purposes journal is meant to record your ideas and observations on any number of things and to put the happenings of each day into writing. In this way you can better remember what you did, what you thought and what was happening to you earlier 
the journal offers you a private place to write whatever you like. You can work on your writing skills by creating stories out of life. You can use pen and paper to vent your frustrations. You can keep track of what you eat. Everything from your deepest feelings to your craziest ideas may record, be recorded in a journal. Journals offer incredible personal benefits as they are not written for an audience, but for yourself. Ultimately, by keeping a journal, you get personal freedom and space. Journaling is an incredible stress management tool. Good for you habit that lessens the impact of physical stresses on your health. Writing about successful exper stressful experiences can help you manage them in a healthy way. The difference then between a journal and, and a diary is the journal is much more per personal than a diary, much more private. For a journal just not, just a, does not just record one's experience, but also one's thoughts, feelings and reflections. It is much more personal than than a diary, and this is I was keeping a diary from the coronavirus, but then out of that, and it was a very stressful experience for all who were involved in it. And this is freedom coming slowly, as the worldwide pandemic ranged. Rage Ireland struggled with what to do. The decision was made. Hindsight, which is twenty twenty vision, some were good, some disastrous. Hospitals, including private ones, were emptied. Older and vulnerable people were transferred out of hospitals without virus testing to nursing homes. The main deaths in the pandemic were in nursing homes where staff were not given proper protocols and equipment. Clusters of deaths, people dying alone with no one, no near ones with them. Then we got cocooning for the over 70s. Stay at home, don't have contact outside your household. How tough that was. I managed three weeks with attention to my garden, getting, setting up tire gardens and cleaning out for fallen branches and creepers. I now have a herb garden and vegetables growing. Made no sense, so I started going for walks and cycles in my own area, keeping my distance from other people. Then the first phase of official freedom came. Those over 70 could go for short walks. As the Taoiseach never watched the Dublin City man Marathon with people over 90 doing marathons, talk about adding insult to injury. Then the came the next phase. You could t travel 5k from home. Oh, the joy of cycling out to Salt Hill 
meeting my friends at a social distance and having a swim. We were blessed with glorious weather and the water was quite continental. Then came the next phase. One was free to travel the county. The joy on the first Monday of this new freedom. My gardener was Porrick was free to tow my boat out to Borashin Bay outside of Thrad. I had a new blue sail made during the winter. It looked so smart. The previous one had was almost more fiberglass repair tape than sail. It was twenty years old. Porrick and I spent a lovely afternoon admiring the lake and the beautiful mountain back, backdrop and eating a picnic. We had travelled so separately to maintain social distancing. Then the weather changed and we got almost a week of unstable winds and rain. Then Monday the 15th of June came with fair winds forecast. I packed a picnic and all my gear and headed out to the lake. I rigged my boat and set off. The wind was just right, enough to give it a good sail, but gentle enough for a first sail of the season. My new sail looked beautiful and was so quiet compared to my old myelin one, which was much taped and creaked in the wind. I panicked. I picnicked on an island which had a rocky shore and a, a rock which, which was just right for a seat while I they admire, admired the beauty of my surrounds. The sky was cloudy with hazy sunshine fl- filtering through. There was bird song and an occasional plop as a fish surfaced to catch a fly. How I am enjoying my restored freedom. Last Sunday we had a social ga- distancing family party. It was a combined birthday for my granddaughter Jenny, now 30, and her son Mark, now 13. How times have changed for the better. Jenny was was single when Mark was born, but Mark carries none of the old stigma or ugly tags. Long may our battle with the virus continue to let it abate. And may normal life return sooner than later. Now, these thoughts may say trivial now, but when looking back, it will be hard to know. Without something written down and recorded, hard to recall how we feel. Remember the first time. Salt Hill Hotel opened. The joy of my friend had just been able to go out for lunch. And previous to that, we'd been outside for coffees at the Glenlow Abbey Hotel, where they'd set up a, a coffee van and tables and chairs out on the, in the car park. And just to be able to, still keeping what the recommended two, two metres social distancing, which usually go, gets less in the outdoors, but is less of a problem in the outdoors, it was just a joy, and I did that with my daughter as well, our first outing. Now, they'd socially distance calling to me with shopping and sitting in the garden with scones I'd made for a treat. This worldwide coronavirus 17 
pandemic has changed lives so utterly and deprived families of loved ones. But when we look back on it or when we tell another generation about it or little ones now we're only just coming to terms with it. It would be good to have things recorded. And I must look back on the diary I wrote, not every day, but spasmodically, to see how I was coping. Whereas if I didn't write, I wouldn't have that record. And this is the theme of these podcasts, is the beauty of creative writing, if only just for oneself. One of my favourite forms of writing is travel writing. I usually do it with pictures. And it's a way for me of reliving the holiday. And it makes me curious when I'm on holiday. Because it brings me around twists and turns that might never go around. And this is one such example and it's called the end of the day in Hamburg reaching high into the skyline it stands a spire black with age I was coming away from the iconic Hamburg opera house looking for a metro passing the red brick warehouses it sparked my interest crossing over several canal bridges I reached the front of the church It was exceptionally grey, even the statues at the door were grim with age. I entered to find the remains of a church struck by a bomb during the Second World War. This was St Nicholas' Church, built in 1874. The spire was once the tallest building in the world. There were bells in the steeple, probably new. Inside there was a statue of a boy sitting, hands on face, in a posture of despair. Under him are bricks from Dachau collected by schoolchildren. There is also a statue of an angel reaching to heaven. Part of the walls are still there due to the structural soundness of the steeple. The remains have been kept as a war memorial. It was coming to evening, but you could ride a lift up to the steeple for views over the city. Twice while I was there, people rang the bells. It was a thought-provoking end to a day of sightseeing. And I did have the bells recorded, but unfortunately rebooting my phone lost my recordings. Technologically, I don't know how to preserve these things. It was an extremely nice experience. Nice to have looked back when we get the present time we can't travel. Little vignettes of experiences that you just come across when traveling. Stories are another thing that can they can come out of it any, anywhere. This story now, the return, came about when my imagination went back in Bam Valley in 
out in the wilds of Galway. A friend there is an artist. And we we, had, we were walking up past old ridges where vegetable gardens had been and the ruin of a cottage. And I just thought what it must have been like for those people leaving this total silence going over to the hubbub of New York or London, a big crowded cities where their accommodation would be very sparse, into a different kind of poverty. And this story came out of it. Now, Cormac McCormick has a similar story in one of his books, but it's based on the memory of an apple tree. But this is my story, The Return. So this is it. This is the place. Anthony placed his hand on the stone hearth in the crumbled wall of the old cottage. Emotion swept over him and tears filled his eyes. There was awe in the, in the astounding beauty of the place, sadness for those that poverty sent sailing over the Atlantic, anger too that they had been left without assistance. He had left all the all these over he had felt the, all these over the years as he listened to the stories told by his mother and uncles in New York. But now they were all joined as one and threatened to overwhelm him. He found his way out of the ruins and walked up the mountain, past the still visible ridges of the potato garden, and sat on a boulder looking down the valley at that strange, wild beauty. The stream below, the mountains on the other side of the valley, the shifting light casting shadows in their, their then brightness. He tried to put his thoughts together. His mother had seen this place only in her imagination, for she, the baby sister of his six maternal uncles, had been born in New York. He pictured his grandparents tilling the field below him. He barely remembered them alive, but had their pictures in his wallet. He could imagine these giants of men, his uncles, his small boys, helping and playing among the ridges. Where was the well now that gave them that sweet water that they always talked about? As the light faded, he could imagine them in the light of the paraffin lamp or candles kneeling on the stone floor to say the, the rosary. As he pictured this, anger burst through that the church they had loved so much had left them to their fate. The only help offered came with the price tag of deserting to another faith. Would he have been so staunch? The abuse scandal both here and in the States had left him with doubts and children who would no longer attend Mass. Some said they were just using it as an excuse. But who could judge? He let, let his thoughts return to, to the uncles and his grandparents, and they suddenly fell close to him. How his uncle Anthony, after whom he had been named, would have loved to be here. He was the last left of the family and had planned to come. Alas, his wife Mary had taken ill a few days earlier and he had to cancel the visit. 
He felt glad to, he had left his wife in Galway shopping. He was so overwhelmed he could not have coped with her chatter. How had his grandparents coped with the ocean voyage, caring for small children, the queuing of Ellis Island, the enormity of New York and the cramped tenement apartment? With all this beauty left behind, never to be seen again, were there spirits around him now, glad that he had made it back? The visit in Goid to the memorial named for that little girl who died of hunger after walking into Galway and the, and the memorial to the ships that took people across the ocean, the rescue ships they called them, now became even more meaningful. He had read recently that Danny Boyce sang so frequently at Irish gatherings is in fact a song from England, adopted by the sentimental Irish. Indeed, when he had visited the grave of his great-grandparents, he had felt nothing. Indeed, with the, this mountain valley so full of life, what spirit would stay below in a grave waiting for someone to come and cry over them? Perhaps they were around waiting for someone to return could now move on to the fullness of heaven, whatever that was. Ah, he was doting, the old crowd would use the Irish word shafocha. Whatever, he was deeply moved. He sighed and got his camera and started taking pictures. The artist in the valley below, who had sent him pictures in response to, to his inquiries, had now directed him to this spot and had promised to print, to paint the cottage as it would have been and send it to him. It would make a lovely 90th birthday present for his uncle. This had meant so much, but he would be glad to go back to town, back down to the pub among the people, and quietly sip a pint of Guinness and perhaps a drop of Irish whiskey to warm him. That's was one of the things published in our Reflections by the River. But it's just showing where the imagination can take you. So my mantra is writing is a form of expression that's well worthwhile. You don't have to be a great writer. You can just let your imagination fall or just record what's around you. Happy writing. Reached the front of the church. It was an exceptionally grey evening. In conclusion, I would like to encourage you to write. To enjoy the creativity and fun. Because there's so much at hand. And one thing I could caution about is being self-critical. I hear so many people in the group say, oh, this is no good. I'll just give you this, but it's not much. And it could be brilliant observation. A very nice poem that could be well-placed in a women's magazine. You look at magazines such as Women's Own, Women with, 
way, the great way, but I admire greatly Ireland's own. There's so, so much inspiration for writing. And it can be trivial and it can be meaningful. You flip through Ireland's own, you've got Dan Conway, you've got Miss Flanagan. They're old ones. Who's to say they're any better than what you would write? I've heard poems in my group that I'm sure would be published if people had enough confidence to send them in. So if it's writing a diary or journaling just for your own benefit, for releasing thoughts, feelings, ideas, Maybe plans for the future. And if you're stuck for ideas, go to the dictionary, choose a few words and see where that will take you. Another tool is mind mapping, where you put an idea or just you in the centre, perhaps writing. Then with coloured pencils, or even this can be done on the internet. Draw lines out, seeing where that'll take you. If you always wanted to go on the Orient Express, perhaps imagine what that would be like. Or research what it actually would be like. I'm a lover of trains and there's so many videos of train journeys now. You can virtually travel up the up the side of Scotland, up to the Western Isles, or you can go on the Orient Express and see somebody else's experience of it. But you could plan a trip, plan a trip there, when, when we're free to travel again. You could work out the stops, where you'd stay, look at hotels, but you'd put it all down. Because if you don't, it won't take concrete route. It's like, like if you make a shopping list, you know what you want. You mightn't look at the list, but you'll know what it is because it's been put into your mind. The same way with the, you do a to-do list the day before, you'll find that you'll remember to do things or be motivated to do things. There are so many uses for creative writing. Perhaps the council is really annoying you. Or the government might write an op-ed ad and send it to a newspaper. Perhaps it'll be published, perhaps it won't. But at least you will have had the satisfaction of getting it down and vented your feelings. Perhaps it is your ambition to write a novel. Make a plan. And again, in mind mapping, you could make the plan, you could research it. If it's historical, you could go into the detail of history. It's nothing more annoying than reading a novel about a place or about an occurrence in history and to discover it's not accurate. 
There's so many ways of making creative writing an integral part of your life. If you're a person that likes order, make yourself a place for your writing. Maybe get special, special, very precious book for your journal and keep that in a special place that you can go to. Or if you're more harem, scarem, stuff it in your pocket, but make it special for you. I've had so much pleasure from creative writing. It has taken me so many, down so many avenues of imagination. And it has given me so many memories that I can look back on, especially my travels. So go to the keyboard, go to the pen and paper, and try your hand at that wonderful hobby creative writing.